Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. My name's David. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so excited to preach today because I believe that God wants to change our lives. And I've got a sermon that is really good for your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's got a word for you. Amen. They need this, I'm telling you. So I, I want to, you know, um, I remember when I, was, uh, when I was in high school, I remember reading a book. Um, and the book was called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. How many of you have read that book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire? Okay, great. Um, it's a fantastic book. It's written by Pastor Jim Simbola, and he, um, he wrote the book uh, where he talked about what God did in Brooklyn and how God rescued people from drugs and alcohol and prostitution, all sorts of amazing, miraculous stories, and how he redeemed so many lives. And it was, I remember reading that book, and I was on a road trip, and um, I, uh, I was reading the book, and I just remember my heart started to burn. And I said, God, I want to see that happen in my life. I want to see people set free. I want to see people delivered. I want to see people uh, miraculously transformed. And, and I remember I, I, I came to college in Chicago, and I remember coming here, and I remember Pastor Toledo was, was, uh, was, was speaking. Uh, I actually helped him with a class, and he was talking on the book of Acts. And he was saying how his prayer and his desire is that the book of Acts would come to life in our day. And I remember him saying that. I was like, yes, I want to see that too. And today I'm here to tell you that the Bible is going to come to life in our lives. Amen. 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 There's miracles that God wants to do through you. How many of you have received a miracle? You've received grace. You've received, uh, you know, um, provision. You've received healing. We've, we've received miracles, but I believe that God, he wants to do miracles through you. So let's dive in today. You know, I, um, I, today is, uh, is a special day. <clears throat> Excuse me as I, <laughs> my voice cracks. <clears throat> Today is a special day for me because my parents are actually here in the room today. Yeah. Would you guys stand up? This is Dan and Linda Stevens. I, uh, you know, they're pretty amazing people. Um, I, I owe them so much. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about... I, I owe them that they've just poured into me in ways that you can't imagine. You know, I, I talk to people all the time and, and I hear stories of, of, um, of just their upbringing and, and, and how challenging and how difficult things were. But I, that wasn't the case with me. I had amazing parents. I had parents that loved God and they loved me and they showed me what it looked like to love God. 
And, um, and so you're all benefactors of that. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, verse 10 through 17, because there's a word here, like I said, that's really good for your neighbor, and it's going to be something that I want us to all, honestly, I want us to all open up our hearts and open up our minds, because today we're going to be talking about a familiar text. Um, if you're familiar with the Bible, if you've read the Bible before, you'll probably remember the, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And we're going to get into it. I don't need to explain it here if you've never heard it. But basically, a, a lot of the times when you hear this story, you hear about something that um, the way that it's applied is often, you know what, God can multiply things for me. But today, I want to look at why this text is actually in the Bible, and I believe that it's, it's, it's true that God can multiply things for you, but I believe that what's more important is that God wants to multiply things through you. And so, you know, how many of you are born and raised in Chicago? Okay, come on, Chicagoans. You guys didn't scream or anything. You just like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's snowing, you know. <laughs> Have you noticed when you live in Chicago and you go outside of Chicago, what people say? Have you experienced that? I think all of us probably have had the same experience. Oh, where are you from? Chicago. Oh. <laughs> Chicago. It's like a, it's crazy over there. Yeah, yeah. And they have two things to say. One is about how, um, it, it's either about how cold it is, or it's the bad reputation. It's the violence, it's the drugs, it's the sex trafficking, it's the homelessness. It's all of these, these chronic issues. Chicago has a bad reputation, but I, I want to tell you something. There's a reason that you're here. You know, my, my parents, they live in Florida, um, and whenever I call my dad, he is faithful to remind me of the temperature. <laughs> Every time I call, I say, hey, so what's the, what's the weather out there like? I'm like, it's cold again. He's like, yeah, it was really, it was, you know, it was chilly today. I had to, you know, this is like got into the low 70s. It was rough, you know? <laughs> like, man, I didn't ask for that. But you know what? Every time we have the same conversation, he's like, hey, you know, you ever thought about like the Tampa Tabernacle or something like that? <laughs> Say, no, dad. Why? Because God has called me to Chicago. Amen. And I want to tell you something. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Not to say I'll never go, but God has called you Amen. here Amen. for a reason. There's a reason that you're not in another city. There's a reason that you're in Chicago with its bad reputation, with its laundry list of problems and issues. There's a reason that you're here and someone else is not here. Because God 
from the foundations of the earth picked you to be a solution for a problem. And I believe that today God is going to help us change our perspective on how we respond to need. What is your response when you see need? What is it that you do when need is presented to you? What happens? I believe that how you answer that question and, and what your, your true response is will determine the miracles that you see in your life. How you respond to need will determine the miracles that you see in your life. And I think that what Jesus is trying to say in this story today is he wants to show us what our response should be to the need that we see around us. The title of my message today is You Feed Them. You Feed Them. Let's look at this. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. It says this, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So basically what had happened here is the, the disciples had just come back from basically like a missions trip. They were on a ministry trip and, and Jesus had said to them, he says, okay, I want you to go heal the sick. I want you to go cast out demons and I want you to preach about the kingdom of God. And so the disciples did that. Excuse me. And uh, the disciples did that, and they went out, and they were preaching, and they were healing. They were casting out demons, and they just came back, and they were excited. And they came to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, you wouldn't believe all of the things that happened. We would lay our hands on the demons, and they would leave when we mentioned your name. We would, we would lay our hands on the sick people, and they would get well. There was something so amazing. And so they, they came back excited and they were telling Jesus all that they had done. And I don't know if you've ever been on a missions trip or if you've ever served for a long time. But when you do that, you come back and you are tired. They had given out. They had poured out. And so the disciples came back and they were telling him this. And, and Jesus says, and he, he took them and he withdrew Apart. In other words, okay, guys, I know that you've been working hard. Come on, let's go to a place where we can take a little break, where we can get some rest. Jesus wanted to, to give them rest. He knew that they had poured out, and he says, come on, let's go away to another place. And it says, they withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him. And how did he respond? He welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away. And the twelve came to him and said to him, Send the crowd away. It's a very spiritual response. Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. 
You know, Chicago is oftentimes considered a very desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Plot twist. You give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we were to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate. They all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Let's pray. Jesus, open our hearts. Change our perspectives. We give you permission to mess up our lives so that we can live for you and not for ourselves. We give you permission to do whatever you want in us, oh God, so that you can get what you want out of us. So Lord, we ask that these words would penetrate our heart and that you, oh God, would go to the deepest places of who we are and that we, oh God, would surrender afresh to you and that we would not hold back anything. We love you, Jesus. Make us sensitive to your Spirit's voice. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to do whatever you want to do right now, right in this service. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You feed them. You know, what is it that you do when you're presented with need? How, how do you respond? I, I think that when we look at the disciples here, we can see that the, the gut reaction, and I think probably one of, I know my gut reactions is when I see a need, one of the first things that I, my, 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 my tendency is, is that when I see a need, I, I, I have, I, I say, well, you know what, that's probably someone else's problem. There's, there's a, there's a solution for that. You know what, uh, that, 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 that's the government's job to take care of that. This is, this is uh, the school board will take care of this situation. You know what, I know an organization that does this or that does that. Sometimes when I, when I walk the streets of Chicago, sometimes I like to take the streets instead of taking the highway just so that I can look at the neighborhoods, just so that I can see the people, just so that I can feel what the city really feels like in all the neighborhoods. Because if God is going to move, he's going to move in all the neighborhoods. And it's going to look different how he moves. But a lot of the times when I see need, sometimes I feel overwhelmed. I feel like, man, this is just too big. This is just too much. But that's not how Jesus processed it. The disciples were overwhelmed 
and the tendency was, let's dismiss the need. Let me encourage you, don't dismiss the need. Don't do it. Why? Because you are the solution. Because no one else is coming. You are the answer. You are, the Bible says, the hands and feet of Jesus extended. And if that's the case, then when you are presented with a problem, when there is a situation that is placed before you, when you are given knowledge and understanding of the plight that other people are in, you have now been given permission to eradicate the problem and deal with the situation. And I know even as I'm saying this, I think, you know, maybe some of you are came and you're like, man, Pastor David, I, I, I was hoping that you're going to like give me an like encouraging message. You know, I got a lot of problems in my life and I got a lot of situations. And you know what? Jesus, I want to tell you, he's a chain breaker. No matter what you came into this place with, God can meet you. But I want you, all of us, I want us to put our own stuff to the side. Because there's other people that need you to know who you are. There's other people that need you to be able to step into who God has called you to be. Don't dismiss the need. You know, you know if you have the heart of Jesus when you're tired. You ever been in that place? Look, the disciples, they were like, Jesus, you know, this was a great, you know, addition to our missions trip. We did a little crusade here. Um, but it's time to send them home. Send them away. Jesus says, well, guys, that's, that's not how the kingdom works. You see, Jesus wanted to teach the disciples that... Guys, you, you might have healed the sick and you might have cast out demons. You might have preached the gospel and, and you might have done that in a time where you felt like you had the ability and you had the energy and you had everything that you needed. But the kingdom is about giving even when you don't think you have what needs to be given. The kingdom is about saying, I never really had it on my own anyway, so I'm going to allow the resources of heaven to flow through me. I'm not going to be intimidated by the size of the problem, and I won't dismiss the problem because God has made me the solution. And so the disciples came and, you know, they said, Jesus, please, it's getting late. You know, maybe you've been there before. You don't mind serving, right? You don't mind being a part of the ministry and you got it in your schedule and everything is lined up and everything is good. But what about when you're done with work and you're tired after you served, after you did all your work and then someone calls you and they need to talk to you? Then you really know if you have the heart of Jesus, right? You're like, I'm sure that they could talk to somebody else right now. Or maybe... When your bank account is running low and you see someone in need and the Holy Spirit prompts you and says, hey, you should probably help that person out. And you say to God, but God, I don't even know how I'm going to pay my bills. And God says, I'm not talking about your bills right now. 
I'm the one that makes sure that provision is yours. Your job is to obey. You see, when you have the heart of God, you're not worried if there's going to be enough. Because in heaven, there's always enough. Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, there's always provision in heaven, and there's always more room at the table. There's always more room at the table. And I, you know what, growing up, I remember this. My, my parents, they, they used to have people over to our house all the time. I would walk out of my room, see three strangers, totally normal for me. I was like, oh, who are you? Okay, cool. Welcome. I didn't know who they were, and this was also normal. I would go up to people, and I would invite them over to my house for dinner, being like an eight-year-old kid. And my parents would say, oh, okay. Because our door was always open. I, I, I saw that, and I, and I saw that when the table is available, anybody's welcome to come and eat. That's how the kingdom works. The kingdom, it, it's... The, it's never closed. Jesus didn't say to the people, he's like, guys, you know, um, I appreciate you all coming out. I'm actually on vacation. There's going to be a crusade coming through here in uh, another week. So you're just going to have to wait. We're going to have a big event then. You know, we've rented out the Coliseum. You know, he didn't do that. He just said, oh, here's the need right here in front of me. And what I found is that needs, oftentimes, they come in inconvenient packages at inconvenient times. But what is our response? Don't dismiss the need. Jesus, he says, you know what? I know how to process this, and I know how to handle it. He said to them, you feed them. And then the disciples just started freaking out. Like, whoa, 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 Jesus. I know that you told us we could heal the sick and cast out demons. There's about, you know, the, a lot of people believe that um, they, they only counted the men in that. The passage actually says they only counted the men. So there's 5,000 men, which means that there was probably about 15,000 people. That, to put it in perspective, is the United Center full, okay? And no microphones, just Jesus preaching and ministering to the people. And imagine what they had available was one little boy's lunch. You ever been around a group of hungry people? They get angry fast. You know, it's like hangry, you know, it's like. So you got a crowd of hungry people and they're not leaving. Jesus says to them, you feed them. You know, this, this, this is where, this is where our response, we have to understand that we have to think like Jesus. We have to think with a kingdom mindset, not a natural mindset. Because Jesus is the only one that demands us to do things that are impossible. When Jesus says, you feed them, he wasn't saying that to stress them out. He was saying that because he literally wanted them to feed them. That was what they ended up doing. 
And so he said to them, you feed them. And then they said, well, well all we have is, is one lunch. Jesus is like, great, I'll take it. Our natural response is to stress out when you see a need that you don't know how to meet. Even if you've established, okay, I've got the heart of Jesus. Okay, don't dismiss the need. Okay, I'm not going to turn the other way. I'm going to look at that problem, and I'm not going to be intimidated by how big it is. Okay, Jesus, I know that your heart is to deal with this issue and to, to, to bring a solution, and I know that you've called me to it. The disciples were there. They were in that space. But then Jesus says, okay, now you feed them. Wait a second. That's impossible. Jesus, we only have one lunch. The stress level went up. And I want to tell you today that that's not what happened for Jesus. Jesus was not stressed out by that situation. He was not overwhelmed by how many people were there. He wasn't overwhelmed by what kind of sicknesses they brought. He wasn't overwhelmed by that. Look at what Jesus did. He took the lunch and... The Bible says that he freaked out to the Lord and said, God, how am I going to feed all these people? No. He just, what does the Bible say? He looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. He blessed it. I think that the reason that we don't see more of the miraculous is because we spend too much time discounting and degrading what we do have instead of blessing Amen. what God has given to us. Oh, you know, my gift, it's just not, it's not strong. And, 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 and you know, I, I, I don't know how to counsel people. And so I don't really know how to deal with this situation. And you know what? I don't really have a lot of money, so I can't really do this or that. And you know what? I'm so busy, I don't have enough time. Look, some of us are so busy, the Holy Spirit can't get into your calendar. You gotta be open. Some of us discount what we do have, and you say, I just don't have enough to give. I, I, my, my, what God has given to me is, is just so small, and it can only do so much, and, and it really isn't enough to solve this problem. I could see on your faces when I started mentioning things and these big systemic problems, uh, there was like a glaze that went over our, a, a lot of our faces. You know why? Because we have conditioned ourselves to say, that's too big, I'm too insignificant. We've conditioned ourselves because it hurts so bad. Because when you drive by someone that you see and you recognize the pain that they live in, we have conditioned ourselves, well, you can't help everyone. Yeah, but Jesus didn't ask you to help everyone, but he did ask you to help the person in front of you. We condition ourselves to just turn off our conscience. To turn off the compassion because we can't handle it. And we tell ourselves over and over again, you know what, if I just give in to the things that I, that I feel, then I'm just going to be, you know, I'll just be doing it all day. And you know what, you got to be led by the Spirit. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. I'm not asking you to do something that you can't manage. I'm not asking you to operate on guilt. I'm asking you to operate on the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you that when you see a need and you see a problem, allow the Spirit to use you to solve it. Bless. 
instead of stress. Problems are not too big. That's not the issue. The issue is not the size of the problem. The issue is the size of your God. How big is your God? Don't talk to me about how big the problem is. The disciples said, yeah, but Jesus, we're in a desolate place. There's not enough food. And Jesus says, yeah, you know what? Thank you, Captain Obvious. We can all see that. Nobody, you know what? It's easy to point out the problems. It's easy to say, oh, this is messed up, and this is messed up, and oh, you know what? Oh, well, man, if this politician would do their job, then this problem would be solved. You know what? Listen, if we wait for the politicians to solve the problems that we are seeing in the city of Chicago, we're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah, amen. And you know what? That's not a jab at the politicians. Uh, they, a lot of them are doing a great job at what they do, but let me tell you something. It is not a politician's job to bring supernatural power to impossible problems. That's our job. That's our job. Our job is to say, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to move in me to influence things that are impossible to fix. Don't stress out about the problem. When someone comes up to you and they have a need and you have no idea how to meet that need, don't stress out. Don't allow that to freak you out. Of course you don't know what to do, but God didn't ask you to know what to do. He just asked you to do what you see. What's in your hand? What did Jesus do? He took the bread and he blessed it. You know, he didn't ask for anything. Did you notice that? Jesus didn't make a request. He didn't even say, God, please multiply, please, because you know what's going to happen if they don't. The disciples, they're not going to, they're going to be like, Jesus, you said this last time. And it, he just said, I bless this. I broke it. Can I encourage you? Bless what you have. Be thankful. Be thankful for the money that you have. Be thankful for the, for, the, for the time that you have. Can I tell you something that happened to me? I read this book, and it's, uh, um, it talked about sleeping. And it says, you know what? If you have a conversation with yourself before you go to sleep and you are grateful, this is a secular book. It says, if you are grateful for the amount of sleep that you're going to have, before you go to sleep, you actually wake up with more energy. Secular book. And so I said, you know what? I think that they probably stole that from the Bible somewhere. I'm going to try to put that into practice. And can I tell you what happens? Before I go to sleep, what I used to say is I used to look at my clock and I used to say, oh man, I'm only going to get six hours or five hours or whatever. Oh man, man, I'm going to be tired tomorrow. And I would just prophesy all these terrible things over myself. But instead, I said, no, you know what? I, Lord, thank you for these four hours of sleep that I'm going to get. I am so grateful that I get to sleep for four whole hours. That's the longest nap I've ever taken. You get to, 
And you know what? It's funny. I would wake up and I'd be like, hey, you know what? I feel good. I might not feel great, but I feel good. Bless what you have. Stop looking at what's not there and what's not present and what the gifting that you don't have and the ability that you wish you had. Stop saying, well, you know what? If this was there and if that was there, it's like, no, don't complain to God about what the problem is. Thank him that you're there. God, thank you that you put me in this situation. Thank you that you let me see this need. Thank you that you sent this broken person to come and talk to me. Thank you that my life draws in the people that are needy. Thank you. Thank you that you, you allowed me to be able to be present for situations that I'm totally not equipped for. Thank you. That means that you want to do a miracle. You see, the disciples saw a problem and they got stressed, but Jesus, he saw potential for a miracle. The people were stressed out and Jesus says, oh, this is a good teaching opportunity. I get to show people what the kingdom looks like. Now they're going to understand, you know what? In heaven, you don't have to be hungry. When you're in the kingdom, you always get provided for. And what used to be lack turns into leftovers. God, he, He's the one that shows us His heart. He shows us His heart every day. And I want to guarantee you something. If you see need and you come to it with a perspective that says, God Thank you for putting me here. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I bless every gift that you've placed in my hands right now to deal with this situation. I guarantee you a miracle is on its way. I guarantee it. You know, I, I, sometimes when, when this happens to me, when people, they say, Pastor David, I need, I need you to pray for me because I need, I need healing. I've got this and I've got that and I've got this. And Sometimes I just say, okay, okay, that's enough. I need... I don't need to know because you're getting me discouraged. This is like, let's, we're going to pray and we're going to bless you. We're going to believe that God is going to heal you. I don't need to know all the details. I'm not a doctor. But we're going to pray that God is going to heal you. Sometimes we glorify the problem so much that we drain our faith in the process. We glorify the problem so much and we say, oh, you know, it's this and that and the other. It's like, I don't need to know about it. I just need to remember how big my God is. You don't have to focus on how big the problem is. You don't have to know the solution from A to Z. You don't have to know any of that. All you have to do is know how big is your God. If your God is big enough, then the problem size does not matter. When you're presented with a challenge, whether someone needs healing, whether someone just needs attention, someone needs love, they need provision, God puts you there and he's gonna give you what you need for them every time. Because Jesus is the bread. That's what people are hungry for. Jesus said, I'll always be there. Every single time, Jesus is going to be there. You don't have to second guess if there's going to be enough. 
there's always enough. Next thing he did is he took the bread and he broke it. See, the next thing that we have to do once we've gotten the heart of God and we understand we can't dismiss the need and we, we, we know, okay, the, the posture and the attitude that we're supposed to have is we're going we're gonna to bless things. We're not going to stress out about it. And the next thing that we need to know is you've got to break it so that you can give it away. You know, I, when, I, uh, when I first started dating my wife, uh, I had this situation. Some of the brothers in the, in the place might be able to understand where I'm coming from, but we would go to a restaurant, we'd order some food, and what would happen is she would begin to eat food off of my plate. And that bothered me. Amen. Praying for you, brother. It bothered me, and we're... I remember, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I know that this is not supposed to bother me, but man, that really bothered me. And I was like, I, I asked you if you wanted one. Could have ordered two. But I, I learned something in that process because, oh, oh no, I, I just want a little bite. And I'm like, you see, because in my mind, I had a game plan. When I order a plate of food, my, my parents taught me, you always clean your plate. And I have been faithful to that command my entire life. I never have a problem cleaning my plate. And I always, when I look at my plate, there is a strategy to how I'm going to eat that food. And so when she would take a bite, what would happen is that she would throw my plan off. I already had a plan for how that was going to go in and what it was going to taste like. And she just messed it all up. And so I prayed and I got some counseling. And no, I'm just kidding. I, I prayed and I, I was like, okay, you know what? But here's, here's something that, that happened and, and this was unexpected. So at first that bothered me. But then what I realized is that when, when she would order something, she would typically only eat about half of what she ordered. So she ate some of my meal while she was plundering my plate. I realized, you know what? She's only going to eat half of hers. That means I get one and a half meals. And everything flipped for me. I said, hey, you want to buy? Yeah. Just don't finish yours. There was miraculous provision that was hidden. There's something powerful. I believe that, that when we take what we have and we break it and we start to give it away, something happens. I believe that from heaven, God looks down and he says, okay, it's broken now. Maybe the reason that you've not seen the miraculous love of God and the power of God flow through you is because you're not willing to break what you have. You see, in the natural, when you break something, half of it, it's like it's broken in half, right? 
And so if you give that thing away, then by default, you are left with less than what you had before. But in the kingdom, it's different. In the kingdom, one becomes two. You don't decrease, you increase. And what happens is there's no limit to the increase. Jesus broke the bread and he gave it away. And there's a time that we see later in the Bible where Jesus says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take, eat. Why is that significant? Because Jesus is waiting for us to be willing to be broken, to be willing to give away who we are and what we have so that someone else can experience the life that is inside of us. But if we're not willing to break, if we're not willing to suffer, if we're not willing to allow ourselves to be inconvenienced, we will not see the miracle. If you're not willing to allow your bank account to go to zero because you took a step of faith to help someone out, you will not see the miraculous provision. If you're not willing to take a step of faith and say, you know what, I'm going to help this person even though I don't have the time and I don't have the energy, you won't see the miraculous provision of God. Some of us, we have moldy bread. You've been so afraid to give it away. It's gotten moldy and you didn't even realize it. We've got, we've got bread packed away. Listen, I hope, I hope that when you come to church that you say, man, I, I love this place. I love worshiping with the people of God. I love receiving the word of God. I love being edified by the word. I hope that that's your experience. But I also hope that when you leave here, you don't go with moldy bread. You go with fresh bread that's ready to be given away. Fresh bread that's ready to feed the hungry. Fresh bread that's ready to satisfy the needs of Chicago, no matter how big, no matter how great, no matter how systemic. I don't have to know how to solve the problem of gang violence. All I have to know is what one person needs. All I have to know is how to love someone who their father left them and who they've been abused. All I have to know is just that person's name and I just have to know their story and I just have to believe that Jesus can love them and can change them through me. That's all. I don't have to be able to fix everything. I just have to be willing. I have to be willing to lay it down. I have to be willing to say, God, you break me and you give me away. He blessed that bread and he broke it. And you know what? Here's what I found. The, just when you think there's no more ways that you can break that thing, Jesus says, there's another way. Ah, there's more. Just when you thought, oh, I gave it all away last time. Nope, there's more to give. Just when you thought, oh, I did enough. No, Jesus says, oh, no, I've got more opportunities for miracles. Sometimes I know in my life, I'm like, God, I just, you know, I love to see the miracles, but can I take a break? But God, he likes to keep us busy with miracles. He likes to keep us energized by his spirit and not the flesh. Man, God wants to do something new. 
He wants to do it through you. Do you know that your provider, that he never runs out? The place where you go to get your sustenance, it never runs dry. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Come on, let's stand. You know, I, I know that the, the Holy Spirit is giving you insight into the needs that he wants you to meet. You know, you don't have to be in full-time ministry to meet needs. I know someone, they, they work a full-time job. They've got little kids, it's a mom, she work, she's got little kids, but she knows she wants to pour into people's lives and she wants to minister to them. And so over the years, I've, I've been able to watch. And this, this woman, what she does is she's going to go to Target. She's going to go to the grocery store. And so what she does is she makes a phone call. And she calls one of the younger women in the church. And she says, hey, what are you doing right now? Oh, nothing. Why don't I come pick you up? Do you want to come hang out with me? And what you would be surprised is that almost every time she's like, oh, I'm just a mom. But it doesn't matter. People love to be loved. And so they say, yeah, sure. And so she goes, she picks them up, and they go to Target. And you know what they do? They go shopping. They get diapers, and they get, you know, paper towels, whatever. They, but as they're doing that, this woman, she's pouring into their life. She's pouring into their life. She's pouring into their life. And what I've seen is that over the years, the women that she has done that with, they are now leaders in this church. Some of them are staff members other places. Some of them are serving God in ways that it just blows my mind. When I look at over the years, I've known her for a long time, and I'm just like, that is incredible. If there's someone that's busy, it's a mom. But she says, you know what? I'm working a full-time job. I'm busy running errands, but I can still pour into someone else. Because when you give what you have, God supernaturally multiplies it. He supernaturally enables you to see things happen that you could not have seen otherwise. So today, I want to ask you the question, and then we're going to pray. What's the need? What are you going to do? with the need that's presented to you. You don't need to have a, a full systematic plan. You just need to have a heart that says yes to God. What's the need? The Holy Spirit is talking to you. Don't dismiss it anymore. It's not too big because God's bigger. Don't dismiss what seems impossible to address. Don't do it. God wants to use you. You know what? We sang earlier today that God is a miracle working God. And you know what? We don't need to beg God to use us. We don't. He'll use us. 
that's already been established. It's not a prayer that we need to even, you know, to even pray because God says he will use us. We, we can trust that when I go into a needy situation, I have what I need from God and I can meet that need. I'm not saying that you don't ever ask for anything. That's not, what I, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the posture of our heart should be to say, God, you're the miracle working God. It's more about aligning our minds to remember who God is than asking him to do something new in this situation. So can we just sing that again? Can we align our hearts and our minds? Can we be like the disciples who in the beginning said, God, there's not enough, but then at the end, there was 12 basketfuls of leftovers. God took the lack and turned it into leftovers and there was a basket full. And I think uh, this is not on accident. There was 12 baskets because everybody went home with leftovers. He's like, oh, I don't even know where they got the baskets from. But they all had baskets with bread and fish in it. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for Chicago. That's what Jesus wants. Amen. Come on, can we put our hearts in God's hands? Can we say, God, you are the miracle working God. You are the way maker. Way Hallelujah. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the yes. darkness. My God, that is who you are. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the
place. So God, we pray in the name of Jesus that that would be our reality this week. We give you praise because you are the miracle working God that never failed. There is not a problem too big for you. You are not intimidated by any situation that we run into. Chicago is not a big problem for you. 
give you praise. We give you honor. And we bless you. And we bless what's inside of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.